internet friend. Good to see ya. Welcome back to Love Hate Relationship, an opinionated podcast for opinionated people. I'm Andy Bowell. And I'm Alex Ruiz, and as always, we're here to brighten your day, anger your soul, and tell you how to live your life in that order. And Andy, you appear to be talking to, like, a singular listener? I'm talking to you. You, you. my dear friend, who is taking the time to listen to us ramble and rant and pretend we're smarter than we are. You know, I haven't told you, but, like, some of these downloads have gotten into the triple digits. Like... Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like we have yet to break 200, but, like, we've broken the 100 mark on a couple of the early episodes. Huh. Yeah. Well, then, thank you for being one of our nearly 200 listeners. Now, I will totally admit, uh, I know of at least one person who has promised me that they will throw our podcast up on Spotify, mute it, and play it overnight to, like, <laughs> loop it through, get us some extra views. And I, I don't complain about that at all. I'm like, dude, go for it. I love that. That's fantastic. No, I'll, I'll take it. The struggle is real, and let's avoid it. Yeah, no, I, I just pulled up our YouTube page just to see, like, how, how quickly does love-hate relationship podcast come up on a YouTube search? And it's still on, like, page two. Yeah, if you're looking the fact for us on YouTube, you have to, uh, you gotta specify you're looking for the channel. Uh, I, you know, there's there's algorithms, there's tags. I know of I know of a couple of uh, friends of mine who work in marketing who are probably listening to this, and they're just like, "Motherfucker, this isn't hard. We can help you." And I'm like, "Ah, but then I gotta research more." And do things other than just look at our stat count and go, oh, hey, this one hit three digits. That's cool. All right, I'm going to go back to whatever the hell else I was doing. <laughs> well, listen, I'm since I'm the one who uploads to YouTube, I know what search engine optimization is. Marketing friends, I know about SEO. Contact me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's at jovocop2112 because motherfucker may know seo but he doesn't know how to write a twitter handle nope nope i don't oh <laughs> jesus we uh we uh, may seem a little punch punch drunk right now a little slap happy uh it is currently 7 6 40 p.m which is late for us to be podcasting yeah yeah, Andy, I was awake at 4 o'clock this morning. So was I! Aww, what did you do at 4 a.m.? I got ready to go on a shoot. Oh, wow, people paid you for shit. Exactly. I've been thinking about wow, this I... all day. You get up at 4 a.m. to, like, better yourself. I'm not up at 4 a.m. unless I'm sick or being paid to do so. Yeah, I, I actually, technically speaking, I go to a place where I pay for the privilege to be there at 4 a.m. That's true. That's, Wow. Who's the sucker in this setup? Well, you're also getting to the point where you could bench me, so... I do not bench, sir. Deadlift. I can... Deadlift me. Oh, I can I can weigh more than deadlift you. Like, I'm in, I'm in the upper 300s on a deadlift, so... Proud of you. Don't you worry about me. Oh, you're sweet. It's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is, you know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. <laughs> so, yes, listeners, it's a little late for us. We both worked full days... But because we love you, because we care about you, because we have shit that we like to talk about, we are here 
recording this. I should also mention part of the reason I'm even available on a Wednesday evening is because my lovely wife and partner is off doing like productive things with her evening. And so I'm home by myself and I'm like, oh, this doesn't interrupt or ruin anyone's evening. I can just be loud in my apartment. So that's why this worked for me. So thank you, Andy, for uh, signing up last minute. Well, uh, in real time, my uh, my two year wedding anniversary is next week. And I was told by my wife, no, the hell not. You're doing a podcast any of those days. So <laughs> it was now or much later. And I figured now. That's fair. I loved your wedding. I split my pants and had to wear our friend Katie's sarong for the rest of the evening. And I split my pants on the second song of the evening. So it was an all-night thing. Yeah. And we were all under the impression you were going to have a dry wedding. You did not have a dry wedding. But we all still got drunk in the parking lot before the wedding, and, or before the reception, and it was lovely. Yes, it was. A highlight for me was how you were the only person who sang Bohemian Rhapsody with me. Well, that's because all your other friends is bitches. <laughs> to all my other friends listening, hey, hi, internet friend. Thank you. Bit Ignore him. Bitches. <laughs> oh, God. Not speaking of bitches, uh, you, ready? you ready to get started? Absolutely, man. Hit me with it. All right, cool. So, Fog said it's my turn to come up with a love for uh, this particular episode. And I, I'm curious because the title, um, to those who are not in certain, I'm going to use the term cultures, might be confusing. But I promise I will disambiguate. So, Andy, I'm going to start by uh, kind of hand-holding our, our audience. And I don't actually know how much background you have in this, so I'm very interested and in, we're going to learn about each other. But way back in episode three, you elucidated to me that uh, your favorite sport in the entire world is hockey. That is correct. Is that still correct? That is forever correct. <laughs> okay, good. You haven't you haven't taken up hurling. You, you know the thing like on that. Twitter where it's like, you know, I'm an alien. If you know, I'm an alien. If I show a modicum of interest in any sport that is not hockey. Interesting. Okay, that's good to know. That's 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 real good to know. All right. So, Andy, hockey fan. I am going to jump on this, not because it's particularly applicable to hockey, but because I know it's something that you as a hockey fan have thought about. So, Andy, I'm going to ask you, in your opinion, I don't want to know your favorite. I don't know. I don't want to know who you like the best right now. I want to ask you, who would you argue is the greatest hockey player of all time? So I would argue, and it's funny, we're going to get into this. This isn't going to seem like an argument, but it is. I would argue that the greatest hockey player of all time is Wayne Gretzky, a man all so right. famous for being good at hockey that even you know who he is. That's true. I was about to say, I know I know who Wayne Gretzky is. Um, he was, in fact, in... Uh, he, he cameoed in, I believe it was D2, The Mighty Ducks. They briefly got to meet him, so... Yeah, that sounds like that. Also, The Simpsons. You know you've made it if you're on The Simpsons. Back when it was good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so, Wayne Gretzky. Now, I'm going to follow up that question by asking you. And if you were having this argument with someone, um, and they disagreed with you about Wayne Gretzky... And they had some other player who they considered to be the greatest of all time. Who is a hockey player that someone could tell you they believe is the greatest of all time? And you would be, and your response would essentially be, 
I don't agree, but I see your point, or I respect that argument, or that makes sense to me. Yeah, there there is actually, in my opinion, a surprising amount of debate on this subject. Um, to specifically answer your question, there are two people who come to mind. One is another hockey player we've talked about on the show, a man named Gordy Howe, who was okay. Wayne Gretzky's hero and idol and who Wayne Gretzky thought was the greatest hockey player of all time. There is okay. also a man named Mario Lemieux, who was a phenomenal uh, generational talent and was almost as good as Wayne Gretzky in some people's estimation better than Wayne Gretzky until his career ended because of bone cancer. Well, that's metal. <laughs> okay, cool. Now, listeners, I am not going to quiz you on the hockey players that Andy just said. In fact, I will completely admit to you that I know what Wayne Gretzky looks like. I have an image of my head of Gordie Howe based on Rob Paulson's various stories about him. Uh, we touched on that a little bit in episode four, where we talked about voice actor Rob Paulson. Hey, look, callbacks. Um, and I'll tell you right now, I have now forgotten the name of the third person, and in my head, I know his first name is Mario. So I'm picturing Mario Lopez of the television show Saved by the Bell and E! Celebrity fame. So, yeah, that's what's in my head. You know, imagine Mario Lopez, but from Quebec... And visually, you've got it. That's terrifying. <laughs> Get back on my point. Andy, the reason why I asked this of you, and the reason why I'm using this particular example from you to kind of introduce the concept of my love, uh, which I am labeling GOAT debates. Capital G, capital O, capital A, capital T, debates as a love. Uh, GOAT, in common lexicon, refers to greatest of all time. And I am a huge fan of, really in almost any context, having a GOAT debate. And I will get into the details of that, but first I'm, I'm going to give just a little bit of context. The term GOAT, as I said, is an acronym standing for greatest of all time. Uh, there have been a lot of suggestions for its origins, but the one that uh, I think is the most likely and compelling, I actually got this from uh, Hip Hop DX uh, videos that they put on the connection between basketball and hip hop. I believe that the origin really comes down to street basketball player Earl the Goat Marigold. Uh, now, while, oh, I'm sorry, Man Manigault. Now, while Manigault never played in the NBA, he was legendary as a playground player. And famously, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar considered him the best player to ever live. Now, I've heard of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so you know he matters. So, while Manigault himself suggests that the nickname more likely came about from people mispronouncing his last name, Manigault, man's a goat, <laughs> etc., uh, the idea of a goat, greatest of all time in basketball, really caught on. And it's pretty much proliferated in one way or another for the last couple of decades, you know. Most recently, I've seen this pop up a lot on uh, on Black Twitter with people arguing LeBron James versus anyone else versus Dr. J versus Michael Jordan right. versus a slew versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus several other basketball players. LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. Uh, there's a constant argument about the goat. 
Uh, now, it has kind of also moved over through various critics, magazines, and barbershops into being a common term thrown around in hip-hop. And a lot of people arguing, you know, who is who is the GOAT MC? Who is the greatest MC of all time? Down to the fact that in 2000, LL Cool J, who is a fair candidate for GOAT for a number of reasons, actually released an album titled GOAT, G-O-A-T, greatest of all time, okay. just trying to claim the moniker. And it's, it's an incredible debate that... I don't know it will ever properly be solved for something like hip hop, where you have this, you know, 50, around 50 year history. Um, hold on, 77, yeah, 50 year old history. And it's still up in the air. You know, there's people pointing to old older MCs like Rakim from back in the day, coming up all the way to Paul Rosenberg, a really well-known northeastern pun uh hip-hop commentator radio host uh making an argument uh, as recently as uh in the last couple of years that kendrick lamar deserves to be labeled to go you know you've got a guy who debuted in the late 2000s and you've got people who debuted at the you know conception their first early years of hip-hop and i can see the argument both ways so that's that's kind of the basic background of goat debates the thing i love about them is you can apply them to anything right uh not that long ago we were talking of uh, the subject came up of like who's a you know greatest guitarist of all time uh and i made a comment where i said that you know a lot of people point to hendrix uh and i don't necessarily agree in my personal opinion to be a to be the greatest guitarist of all time you really do need a level of technical ability not just creativity, which Hendrix had. I will always argue Hendrix might be the most creative, innovative guitarist of all time. There's, there's debate there, but it's possible. But I would probably argue the greatest guitarist of all time uh, is probably Wes Montgomery, who's a really, really instrumental jazz guitarist and technically just fucking incredible. Like, and, and to me, that's, that's an essential aspect of being a GOAT in that debate. Other people rate it differently. And I always think GOAT debates in any capacity are fascinating because they reveal what the individual most highly values in that particular subject. And the point is never finding a definitive answer. But there almost never is. The point is always just having the discussion and you know it takes it takes me back to like my debate days where it was just who makes the best argument what what do you get out of just listening to some knowledgeable motherfuckers discuss something like that so right yeah knowing, knowing you as well as i do it's it's pretty clear to me why goat debates would be something that you just absolutely love and enjoy because you like debating <laughs> you've always liked debating and uh, what? you know, get, what? getting into verbal sparring matches with people, uh, I think so. Fair, um, yeah, no, that, that's fair. And you know, obviously, something something about these debates is it brings out passion in people. You can't have a discussion where you have an opinion on who the greatest of all time in blank was unless you have an opinion. And you know, because of this podcast and its you know basic outline and purpose. I can see why that would be something that is appealing to you. 
having people be yeah. opinionated. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I, I absolutely agree. The, the point of a GOAT debate is not to settle it, but to, you know, make your most compelling argument. And I also agree that I don't know if it's possible in most instances to, like, clear cut say someone was the greatest in all time you know most of the things you would apply it to are subjective sports music uh you know movies but even to go into hockey for example and to look at something objectively i call wayne gretzky the greatest of all time because he has the most points of any player ever and i want to further your and everyone else's education on the man oh jesus no no because shut up (laughs) (laughs) go on in 1487 games and if you hit more than a thousand in a career you've been playing forever so in almost 1500 games wayne gretzky had 2857 points he is the top of the list. The next guy below him has 930 less points in 300 more games played. Like, Gretzky put up point records that no one will ever be able to match. He is the greatest to ever play. And people still talk about Mario Lemieux or Gordy Howe or to bring it into the modern era, Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin, people and, and and people who aren't Wayne Gretzky and say, oh, well, if they were playing back when he played, they would have put up even more points. Or, oh, if Mario didn't have cancer, he would have been better. You know, for me, one of the greatest players that ever played in the NHL was Mario Lemieux. That's what I'm saying. A lot of people say it's Wayne Gretzky, but I think it's Mario Lemieux. And fans are some of the most passionate people. And so everyone Mm. is is always going to have their own answer or their own argument, despite what even like, like, like hard concrete numbers in your face would tell you. Sure. The thing about it is that, okay, so let me complicate things a little bit there. And it's hard for me to comment on hockey because I don't know its eras or its time periods. But just to be an asshole, I'm going to talk about my favorite sport, (laughs) uh, weightlifting. So inarguably, the people who win weightlifting are the ones who lift the most weight. However, weightlifting is a weight class based sport. Now, if you're talking about who is the individual human being who has picked up the most weight in the snatch and clean and jerk, the two contested lifts in Olympic weightlifting. It's a guy from Georgia, Georgia the country, not Georgia the state, a guy from Georgia named Lasha Talakatsi. His, uh, he's lifted at, his snatch 220 kilograms, world record, the most anyone has ever done, ever, of all time. And he has clean and jerk 258, that's not the... That's not the world record, but in both cases, like, both of those are him him jumping with 500 plus fucking pounds in his hands and putting it over his head. And he did this at a body weight of about 373 pounds, you know, 169 kilograms. Now, comparatively, the someone who gets, by those numbers, by the number of sheer 
I picked up the most weight in these two movements and completed them successfully with adjudication, he's, he'd be the best. That said, in weightlifting, because it is a weight class-based sport, it gets further complicated because you get the complication of people who are uh, pound for pound stronger. Yeah. And it's funny because in terms of a sheer percentage of weight lifted in terms of body weight, uh, and in terms of a formula that weightlifters uh, have used called uh, the Sinclair scale, which I'm not going to go into details about, the person who is actually arguably the best weightlifter is uh, a guy from Bulgaria named Nain uh, Sulemanov. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation. But uh, back at the 96 Olympics... He, at a body weight of 56 kilograms, which is uh, 120-ish pounds, okay. he lifted 152.5 kilograms, again, over 300 pounds, and clean and jerked 190 kilograms, which is over 400 pounds. He did not lift as much as Lasha Talakatsi, but he weighed way less than he did. Like... A third what he did. And so, even though he did not lift as much as Lasha, his lift is arguably more impressive through some of the means that weightlifters use to judge these things. And if anybody who follows other weight class-based sports, boxing, for instance, MMA, wrestling, these things, these things factor in to how you judge a performance. So, again, a lot of it comes down to me to what do you as an individual value? You talk about Wayne Gretzky in terms of points, but are there other things outside of points in hockey that a lot of people will point to as being signs of a great player? I know you said that Gordy Howe, I remember you mentioned that he had, like, invented, what is it, uh, Gordy Howe triple? Uh, the Gordy or... Howe hat trick. Yes, where he... What is it? He scores a point, gets an assist, and yes. gets in a fight? <laughs> okay. There are objectively fans who might argue, and, and this happens a lot in basketball, assists matter a lot to a lot of people. Maybe they don't matter. They definitely don't matter as much as points. I don't think anyone would argue that. But I think someone would argue that an appropriate balance of points and assists should factor into your debate as to whether or not someone is a GOAT. Would that be acceptable? Logically. Yeah, yeah, you're, what, what you're saying holds up. I mean, I think we, we talked to great lengths about how hockey is one of the more gladiatorial sports, and I think there are plenty of people who would place the physical over the just point-based metrics. There are people who would talk about Gordie Howe being a much rougher player, and, you know, in some circles to mix hockey and fighting, you know, there would be great debates on to who the greatest hockey fighter of all time was. Who was the guy that, you know, could cause the most damage and make people the most afraid back in the 80s when that was a rampant part of the sport? No, exactly. Another another question I see thrown up in various GOAT debates. We can go back to the Jimi Hendrix debate. A lot of, I would argue, a hard point against Jimi Hendrix as greatest guitarist of all time is the fact that he was only active for, like, three, four years. Sure. And to me, longevity is 
an important factor in that. Like, yes, in that period of time, he was really, really, he did a lot of incredible things. He deserves to be, do you, to, to borrow another term from, you know, kind of this same arena, he deserves to be in a lot of people's top five or top ten. But if you're only around for three years, you know, how, how do you stack that against Prince or Eric Clapton? Eric Clapton said that Prince was the greatest guitarist. Like, that was Eric Clapton's <laughs> statement That's a good answer. right there. Yeah. How do, you, how, how, how do you stack those things up? Both of those guys have had careers of, like, 30, closing in on four, th- 30 plus years. Clapton's case, uh, over 40. And, you know, if someone tells me that then Clapton's the, you know, the, the greatest of all time in terms of guitar playing, I don't agree. But I understand. I'm not. I'm not mad about that. I. I, I think that I, I will say that in both of those cases, the longevity of their careers, the amount of quality work that they put out over a long period of time, really factors in. And and I don't know what the average career of a hockey player is. I know that in football. Uh, the average career is like three years, three and a half years. I le- actually learned that recently. And how fucking long has Tom Brady yeah. been playing? How long How long did Brett Favre play? Like, I- I'm not saying they're greatest football players of all time, but I think that's a factor when you put them up against someone else who maybe does a lot more than them in a brief period of time. But, you know, that's a factor. What are you talking about? Isn't it obvious? God hates the Patriots. He made them lose again. Muhammad Ali gets thrown around a lot because he had his prime years taken because of the right. Vietnam issue. And so now it's funny, though, because there's there's a weird thing that happens there because a lot of people who argue Muhammad Ali as a goat in boxing, much like people who argue uh, Notorious B.I.G. as a goat in hip hop, say, oh, but think about what they could have done had they not had Biggie not died. Had Muhammad Ali not had his prime years taken. Think about all they accomplished in the brief amount of time they had. Now imagine what they could have done had that had their careers not been cut short. And some people will argue that's valid to throw into a GOAT debate. Other people will say no. It's not about what could they have done. It's about what did they do. For every Biggie Smalls who, you know, got killed after three years, you have a Lauren Hill who had, you know, some good work with the Fugees, an incredible album with the miseducation of Lauren Hill, and has consistently sucked for the last right. two decades following. No, no, yeah, something that came into my head that's related to your point, and to bring it back to hockey for one final time, and then I'm done. The, <laughs> guy, the guy I mentioned right. who was under Wayne Gretzky in the all-time points league, his name is Yaramir Yager. He retired last year. And he um, he actually started playing back in the late 80s on the same team as Mario Lemieux. Around 2006, I think, Yarmir Yager quit the league and went and played in Europe for something like five years. Then he came back. And so, you know, people have asked him in interviews and stuff, oh, oh, do you regret leaving? You know, you know, what what could you have done with those those five more years? You could have you could have matched Gretzky. And the thing Yarmir Yager would always say is, yeah, I could have, or I could have blown out my knee and my career would have ended in 2008. 
So I don't agree with, uh, you know, adding what ifs into debates. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad I'm glad that you agree with me on that. That's something I hold. No, that I'm serious. That's something I cling to very strongly because that comes up in so many goat debates. So many of them. And I've never thought it was valid, but there's a lot of people out there who do. And I say, let's argue about it. And that makes for a great yeah. debate. Honestly, because I will never somebody who has that in their head that the what if is valid. I will never convince them of my opinions because we are fundamentally coming at this from different perspectives. I, I fully believe for someone, someone can be very, very good. They can be great with unrealized potential. They cannot be greatest with unrealized potential. I strongly cling to that belief. That's a belief that permeates into my own creative life, you know? Like, I don't... I, 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 I hate to think about, like, what would happen if, you know, for whatever reason, like, I, let's just say I died suddenly and all my loved ones start going through all of my unpublished writing and start trying to publish hmm. it. Hey, by the way, if all of you are listening to this, um, <laughs> don't do that shit, please. I am, I am on record with that. Um, but, you know, do I want to think about, like, do I want to be a great unpublished writer? Or do I want to be, like, known for the shots I didn't take? You know, I, I met someone at a writing conference a number of years ago who explained to me that she had written, I don't remember, like, seven novels. And, she, and she'd never published any of them. And I could never get a properly straight answer from her as to why. I think a lot of it came down to she would tepidly submit them, they'd get rejected, and she'd abandon them. But, she, you know, she... I remember her flat out telling me that she regularly introduced herself. I'm at a writing conference, mind you. Like, this is... This is a retreat specifically for creatives to work on craft and make connections in the industry. And she introduces herself to an entire room of people as, quote, the best unpublished writer you've never heard of and i'm like oh sorry the best unpublished novelist you've never heard of and i'm like what the fuck is that i mean yeah so am i because i'm an unpublished writer and you've never heard of me i don't know i don't i don't mean to belittle the woman but i get your point yeah and i'm sitting here like okay you've written you've written more novels than i have like earnestly i'm i'm very impressed that you've done that but it ain't worth calling yourself the best anything. You're not the best anything until yeah. you actually do the damn thing. You know, it's it's and that's that's harsh in a lot of ways. I, I don't mean that to discourage you from trying. I think everyone should try. I just think you can't claim an accolade without getting it. You know, without getting after it, and that sucks. That's really hard. There's a lot of really really talented people out there. A lot of brilliant creatives. A lot of brilliant hell thinkers you know but just because you have the ability to think through something like that to come up with an idea like that even if it's great like objectively like i encounter it and it's great you're a great musician you're a great writer you're a great mathematician you're a great sculptor you're a great cook you can't verifiably call it greatest of all time Unless it's put up against, you know, other 
reasonably sure. objective measures. So, I, I, and and goat debates really inform that philosophy to me. I love them. I love having them. Listeners, if any of you have goat debates that you want to engage me on, I will take them. Greatest, greatest artists, greatest players of whatever instruments, greatest songwriters, greatest poets, novelists, pick eras. Uh, I can't do a lot with the sports thing, but you know, yeah, whatever, <laughs> I'll try it. Yeah, no, give me, give me a greatest of all. Get actors, screenwriters, voice actors, like, come at me, bro. Like, it's Frank Welker, but that doesn't change the fact that, like, Let's have the debate. I love this. This is this is how it's a great way to learn things about people. It's a great way, as you said, to kind of yeah. showcase passion about something. And and yeah, I, I I love goat debates. I think everyone should have more goat debates. If you don't want to call them goat debates, whatever. Fact is, you're still having them every single time. You're like, this is my favorite anything, or I think such and such was the best at anything. You're having that debate. I promise you, and it's worth having. It's fun. Do it. Or watch them. Or encourage them. You know how we've... It's becoming a thing more and more that we are getting, like, lip-sync battle TV shows and insult rap battle TV shows. I would be down for a GOAT debate TV show. It could go on Spike and... LL Cool J could host it, because I know he's hosting the rap battle one. And let's let's fund it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I'm in. Done. So we're sitting here at thirty seven ish minutes, but this I, I feel like I want to put you on the spot and have a quick one with you, and it's one that I think you could adapt okay. fairly quickly to. Who is right, the greatest metal singer of all time? I hate your ass because I've uh, got an answer on the tip of my tongue. Okay. I've had this argument before, and honestly, my my no, honestly, my it's 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 shifted over time. Um, but no, I I think that I do have an answer, and it's I think this is going to be a case because I think I know your answer, and I don't and I'm not I don't think I'm mad at your answer, and I don't think you'll be mad at mine. But how, how, how should we do this? You want a three, two, one, and then we'll say it at the sure. same time. Okay, ready? Three. Two, one. Bruce, Bruce Dickinson. Dickinson. Fuck! Oh! <laughs> I was so afraid of that. <laughs> but I'm so glad it happened. <laughs> Yo, I straight up thought you were going to say Rob Halford. But... <laughs> oh, I'm crying. <laughs> Oh god. So so fair point listeners, a goat debate can only happen if you have a disagreement <laughs> as to who the greatest of all time is. And yeah, it's, clearly it's Bruce former, because of that range. Yeah, yeah, no, like clearly former Iron Maiden lead singer. Is he current now? I know he's gone and left and come back a few oh, times. Oh man, I don't I don't even know. Okay, so um Bruce Dickinson, uh operatically trained uh professional pilot uh, and in astounding lead singer of the new wave of British heavy metal band Iron Maiden, their second lead singer following Paul Diano's exit after their second album, uh, Bruce Dickinson, greatest metal singer of all time. He has incredible range. 
He his songwriting is in is varied and dynamic and astounding. He knows how to work a stadium just as well as he can play a small club show. He can songwrite. He's got the longevity. He's got longevity. His solo stuff is excellent. His uh, his band work is excellent. He, yeah, no, I, I'm his technical abilities. He worked the concept of the Rising Sixth into metal music, uh, which is just astounding. Uh, okay, Bruce Dickinson, we're good. <laughs> yeah, that was that was worth it. That might have been worth this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. All right, well, we 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 have agreed. If you uh, don't agree, fight us on Twitter publicly. Let's do this. Yes. Yes, no, absolutely. And we will bring receipts. We will bring clips. <laughs> Come prepared. Best not step. Official stance of love-hate relationship. Bruce Dickinson is the greatest metal singer of all time. Agreed. <laughs> okay. All right. You want to move into the hate man? Yeah, yeah. No, this, this one's yours. So please go for it. All right. You've read the title. You know what I'm going to talk about. But depending on how we word this, you might not understand. I actually had somebody come to me uh, the other day. We had just released our episode where I I hate the NCAA. And he was like, okay, do you hate the concept or or what? And so so this actually might not be clear to some people. I hate TV internet streaming services. Specifically, I hate the overabundance of them in the modern TV landscape. So, Alex, I don't usually do this, but I have a question for you, sir. What? (laughs) I know for a fact that you and your wife are cable cutters, which, Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, is the term that applies to people who have cut out cable from their bill and from their life. So you do not have cable, sir. How many streaming services do you use in your household? Okay, now I need to clarify this question. Are you asking me how many do I have access to or how many do I pay for out of my pocket? How many do you have access to? Okay, I have one, two, three, four, five. I have a six that I don't really use. Do you count YouTube? Mm, Sure. Okay. If you count YouTube and you count the CBS access that I... I absolutely do. Not CBS access. I'm sorry. um, CW Seed, which I have, but I don't use. And it's not paid for. It's free. Um, I have seven. Okay. That's a strong number. I like that. Uh, How many do you pay for? Uh, I pay for HBO and I pay for Amazon Prime. Okay. All right. So you have seven streaming services uh if you if you don't mind and if you can can you run them by me the names yeah okay so i have i share netflix and hulu uh with some friends i and i in exchange give them access to my hbo that's how that works i have uh dc universe another friend of mine has graciously given me access to uh, I have the Amazon Prime, which which honestly, like, if I had to pay for it separately from my Amazon Prime subscription, I wouldn't bother with, but I have it, so whatever. And then I have, uh, as I said, CWC, which is installed on my Roku TV. I have never paid a dime for it, 
I think I've used it to watch the Vixen animated cartoon, like, once, and that was it. Uh, and I have YouTube. Okay. So that's seven. Off the top of my head, I can also name Canopy, Voodoo, Crunchyroll, Verve, Logo TV, ESPN+, PlayStation View, Stars, and Boomerang. Yo, actually, I do have Voodoo as well, but I have, uh, like, used it once ever and never again. Okay. I, I dig Voodoo. I dig anything that is free with ads. We're going to get more I... into that later. But so my my point is, we just listed off between the two of us, like, I don't know, 15, 20, between 15 and 20 separate streaming subscription-based services, each offering, uh, you know, TV-related content of their own. Worldwide, mm-hmm. there are now over 100 such services and it's really fascinating to think about like like you and i are old enough to remember when netflix started my parents actually used to have the dvd netflix account where they would send you like two or three dvds at a time right off so, of the list you'd cultivate online that's absolutely right so young people or people listening in the distant future uh netflix used to just be a service that mailed dvds to you and there was no TV multimedia empire and there was no binging all of Sabrina in a single night. TV used to be you had cable or you had satellite. You had a bookshelf of DVDs that you owned and you had pay-per-view and that was it. You know, Netflix came around. I didn't, uh, I didn't do date based research, but Sometime around, I want to say, 2008, 2009, and Netflix came around with Netflix as we know it today, the TV streaming site, and tried to change the game. And for half of the monthly cost you were paying for satellite anyway, Netflix would give you, you know, a variety of TV. You could pick and choose at the touch of your fingertips. You could watch as much as was available. And it was this great innovation. It was, it was really like, it's one of the things I can point to and be like, that is a thing that helped turn the past into the future. And I really liked it. I mean, when Netflix first started out, it was, it was amazing. And, and binging wasn't a thing yet. And it was such a amazing concept for me and my dad to watch three episodes of Lost a night and not have to buy, uh, you know, $20 season box sets from Best Buy and own it on DVD. We had it through Netflix. I really liked that. Hmm. What I don't like is what streaming has mutated into in in about a decade because obviously netflix was a phenomenal success people noticed it was a phenomenal success amazon noticed it was a a phenomenal success and went oh people are paying 14 dollars a month hand over fist to be able to do this we need to get this we need to do this we need to do our own thing and that's how amazon prime video started Hulu came out of the ether and realized, oh, we can make this thing and people will pay for TV. And before you know it, we're sitting here, it's, you know, November 2018, and there are more streaming services than either of us could actually take the time to count. 
and sure. each one offers its own unique programming, sometimes original programming, and most, if not all, are paid to view. Oh. I, I I can say that I remember when Netflix first started uh, streaming and Hulu came around, Netflix was mostly movies. There was actually very little TV on Netflix, and I remember Hulu was almost exclusively TV. Uh, and specifically, I remember Hulu uh, would offer for for the paid fee, for the subscription fee, you could watch full seasons, full back episodes, but for free, they would allow you to watch the most recent, I think... If, if it were two days after an episode premiered, you would be allowed to watch that episode and the last four episodes prior to it for free with ads. And it was like Hulu was TV, Netflix was movies, and it worked okay for a while. Yeah, it absolutely did. You know, it was it was cheaper than owning a satellite TV subscription, which mm-hmm. it was getting to the point where, you know, most people, and Bright House still does this, most, like, internet or cable providers would force you to bundle all of this stuff together so that, you know, you're paying a little bit more, but you have it all. Um, It was cheaper than cable satellite, and it was more innovative because your hands weren't tied by whatever was on during a specific block of programming. But it was successful. And because it was so successful it started getting competition and it started getting copycats. And here's where we get into the problem. We started this with a question I asked you and you admitted you have access to more streaming services than you actually pay for. And so do I, so do the majority of people listening to this. I would wager Mm -hmm. because it's no longer cheaper than having a satellite if you want to watch Netflix original stuff, but you also want to watch Man in the High Castle on Amazon, and you also want to watch uh, sports and, and whatever else on Hulu, you know, you need to pony up for these things. And I know Hulu um, will do like, I think, five bucks a month with ads. Amazon Prime. The way I pay for it is it is a it winds up being like ten bucks a month or something. Uh, Netflix I never can keep the price uh, in my mind, but it's gone from like eight to fourteen to now you can pay an extra three dollars a month to have multiple accounts. Point is, if you're paying for even those three, if you yourself alone are paying for the three big streaming services, you're now paying something like forty bucks a month for the privilege to have these television options, which is more than most satellite packages at this point. You know, you're still paying for the privilege of being able to pick what you watch when, but it's no longer cheaper. And to look at it the other way, you could always pirate content, which is Mm -hmm. not a good thing to do, but it's cheaper. Hell, it's free. You run the risk of downloading a virus, but... You know, most people find ways around that. Or, um, you know, I've noticed on Reddit, there are several subreddits that are dedicated to just pumping out pirated content to fight the man and such. But, you know, that runs its own risk. It's not necessarily ethical. And that is a case where the money you aren't paying then doesn't go to the content 
creators. Yo ho! Yo ho! Let's go! Let's go! So that isn't great either. You know, I'll um I'll mention this. Uh, recently, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who actually is the one who pays for one of the streaming services that I do use, uh, one of the paid ones. And funny enough, he also gave me access to his Plex account, which I didn't include in the list. I don't know what I think because I haven't actually used it yet. But amid the things that he, you know, gave me access to included his Plex account. And it's funny enough because he pays, I know for a fact, he pays out of pocket for multiples of these services. Multiples of them. And he has a Plex account and he pirates stuff. And he's he's up front with me. He says, honestly, like, if I can pay for it, I do. I I spend such and such amount on content on a regular basis. I buy it whenever possible. Sometimes I can't buy it. Sometimes something's not accessible. Um, sometimes it's not. Sometimes if it's international, it's not accessible. Sometimes because it's not available on certain sites. Uh, I know at least one of the ones you're going to talk about uh, that are exclusive to, cert- to a certain site. Yep. It's something I'm pretty sure you're very interested in, but it's only available on this one site. And he's like, if it's available to me through legal means, I will. I will pay for it. And if it's not, I'll just plucks it and it takes such and such amount of time and effort and i have it and it's mine and that's it and i have access to it so that is that is part of the debate there um because it has statistically been shown that the people who pirate the most are not pirating their content exclusively they are usually the ones who pay the most for content they just also happen to be pirating that's interesting okay yeah yeah i mean that's 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 one of the main things that I really don't like about modern day streaming and and don't get me wrong uh, this is maybe the most first world problem hate we've discussed on the show yet I hold no um, no illusion about that but it's also a widespread problem that I know myself and the majority of my friends have to deal with we've been given this awesome amazing treat of being able to watch whatever show we want whenever we want and then everything gets divvied up and carved up and and split up amongst the different sites so that you have to either be paying for all of it or you have to have enough friends who are paying for it and don't mind giving you their account Mm -hmm. and and this does absolutely get to be a real problem in some instances so you're you have dc universe online or not, yeah. not DC Universe Online, but you, you have DC Universe, which is the new yep. DC content-exclusive streaming service. Mm-hmm. The shows that come to mind that are exclusive to that one are the live-action Teen Titans TV show, as well as the upcoming Young Justice uh, Season 3, which, if I know oh. you, is the reason you got it. <laughs> oh, son. Oh, I can't wait for that shit. Oh, God. Young <laughs> Justice... Uh, the best. Oh, that should be a love at some point. Oh my god! And it will whenever be. that comes out, we will we will talk about that because that's the greatest superhero cartoon since Batman the Animated Series, bar none. Um, I would agree. I would argue Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, but that's a debate for another time. Okay, that's 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 a different goat. Um, so, but um, yeah, no, I I I see what you mean there, and I mean that's 
it's funny because uh, mentioning Batman the Animated Series, I remember watching that on Amazon Prime years ago. I think I talked about watching it uh, years ago on this podcast, but like it was on it was on Amazon Prime, and I just had Amazon Prime at the time, like because I had I was paying for Amazon Prime for you know two day shipping, and I had access to the video, so sure I was just scrolling in, and I discovered Batman the Animated Series was all there, and I just watched it on my laptop. And now it's only available, I think it's only available on the DC Universe app. Unless you just straight up, like, go on Amazon or Google Play Movies uh, and just buy it outright. Sure. Which, you know, is just cutting out the corporeal DVD from the buy a DVD format. To, to use Amazon for another example, I discovered through my Amazon Prime video the glory and the majesty that is RuPaul's Drag Race, which is by far and away my favorite reality show. My wife and I both instantly fell in love and binged about a season and a half of it before the entirety of the show um, left Amazon to go be the exclusive content that Logo TV pushes out. So now... I, if I want to get my, my drag queen fix, I either have to get Logo TV or I am in Orlando. I can go to almost any gay bar on a Friday night. <laughs> this is true. Or you could buy the DVDs. Or, or buy I could the buy seasons, the DVDs. Or, or buy I, the seasons on iTunes or Google or something. That's That's absolutely true. I could buy it, but it was free and available. And then it wasn't. And that stinks. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you were alluding to it. The other example I have is, you know, there were rumblings of a new Star Trek TV show, Star Trek Discovery. And when I first heard about it, I, I was intrigued because Star Trek had been off the air for over a decade at that point in any iteration. And then I heard that Brian Fuller, my absolute favorite showrunner of all time, look up Brian Fullrunner and go watch Hannibal on Amazon while you still can. You intend me to be my own last supper. Yes. How does one politely refuse a dish in circumstances such as these? One doesn't. Was going to direct this Star Trek TV show. Oh my gosh, I, I have to I have to have it. I have to watch it all. And then it was announced that it would be the exclusive content of CBS All Access. Boo. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, I have not gotten CBS All Access. <laughs> no, you're... And, okay, there's there's two separate conversations that might be going on in the listener's mind right now. Uh, one, is the, one is the discussion where they say, okay, if, you, if it was that important to you, Andrew Richard Bowell, um, you, why don't you just buy the DVDs or pay for it so that you own it in whatever digital account of choice you have. These are the same people who still pay a dollar twenty nine per track on iTunes. Yeah, which still exists. Uh, it's gone down a lot, and God knows before that CDs have gone. Da- CD sales have gone down a hell of a lot too. Like pretty much the only people keeping the keeping the CD industry afloat at this moment are country music buyers. Hmm. And I'm not going to speculate about that. I'm just going to say, country people who buy country music albums, buy a proportionately larger amount of them on CD than any other genre. And I will leave it at that. But yeah, so there's that camp that's going to say, okay, 
I'm pretty sure all those Star Trek episodes are available on iTunes. Just pay whatever it is per episode and buy them. Or go to Best Buy and buy the DVD. There are still Best Buys. Fuck, you could go on Amazon and probably buy the DVDs and have them shipped to you. And then there is the other camp, which is more pragmatic. Because the fact of the matter is, I have literally never paid for a song on iTunes. Never once. I have never given iTunes my money for a single song. If I was gonna buy if I was gonna buy music, I bought a damn CD. If I was going to just get an MP3 of it, I borrow the CD from a friend, upload it to my computer, and have it that way. Yeah. And I don't and I don't know how legal that is. I really don't. I know that it's perfectly legal for you to copy your own CDs as far as ripping tracks into your computer, as far as checking a CD out from the library, uh, ripping it onto my computer, and then giving it right back to the library. I did the shit out of that, too. Like, I always found other means to attain this music, and then streaming came around. And then I got Pandora, and I got Spotify, and I still have a Spotify free account, and I've got my Amazon Prime Music, and I, and it's funny because I like listening to albums. But the only albums I listen to on my phone are the ones that are available free on Amazon Prime. Because I don't pay for Spotify, I only have the free account, and that only gives you shuffle play. So I just kind of suck it up and deal with it, assuming that I don't just have the tracks ripped. But I haven't done that in a very long time. Sure. So this this pragmatic camp is going to look at the market and say... People aren't going to do that anymore. So it's the markets, it's the, it's, the, it's the film companies, the record companies, the studios' responsibilities to adjust. Right, and so you, you bring up um, music streaming, and I thank you for doing that because it's, it's such a perfect point that I want to make. I look at music streaming and here's the camp I fall in with TV streaming. I look at a better option that is already there and I get upset that TV isn't doing it. I do pay for Spotify and because I pay for Spotify, I have pretty much any song that has been put onto a CD in the past century I can listen to every song Bruce Dickinson ever sang because I pay uh, 10 bucks or whatever I pay a month for my Spotify. It's not, oh, heavy metal. That If you want to listen to heavy metal, you got to get Amazon Music. Oh, you want to listen to rap? Okay, uh, Spotify cornered rap. So, so Spotify is rap, Amazon Prime is heavy metal, and country music is physical corporeal CDs. The dirt road. A cold beer, a blue jeans, a red pickup, a rural noun, simple adjectives. You pay for one of these services and you have all of it. And I've been thinking about this all day. I mean, I guess that TV and movies are a bigger thing than songs. But are they? There's a lot of songs. I mean, 
my point is I I sit here and I gripe and I grouse about not being able to watch RuPaul or having to pay an extra amount that uh, of money that I really don't have more than I'm already paying so that I can watch RuPaul and so so I can watch Star Trek Discovery when really in in, in a more socialist sense we could have one streaming service that has it all and 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 you mentioned earlier you had a roku um you know roku did this up to a point roku the whole big thing i remember about that was it was your netflix and it was your sling and it was your uh your your cwc all on this box so it's it's possible it's there it's attainable but it's not profitable to give yeah, I mean, people all the content. Yeah, no, licensing licensing is a bitch here. And well let's let's also be frank, the music industry is pushed hard against Spotify, and Spotify is not without critiques to be made about it. Um, particularly in the way that it handles paying artists. So I I I hesitate to look to the music model as, you know, an ideal uh way to go. I do find it interesting that, you know, I, like, like I said, and like you said, there was a time, that there was a model of this, uh, where it was free and came with ads. Sure. Spotify free still exists like that. Like, I can, I can use Spotify the way that you use Spotify, paying for it, if I stick to my computer. Because on Spotify free, it's you get ads, but you can use regular Spotify on your computer. It's only on mobile devices where it's only shuffle play. Um, and that's fine. Yeah. I, I, I can live with that. Maybe at some point when I am at a different place fiscally, I can justify to myself paying for Spotify on a monthly basis. You know, who knows, who knows what my next raise will when it will be and what it will hold. I have no idea. Maybe I'll treat myself to Spotify. I don't rule it out, but I, I hesitate to treat the music model as the ideal here. The issue with the streaming services is, A, the studios seem to be functioning on the idea that people will either pay for what they want or pay for everything. Which was what got the cable and satellite people in trouble. Because when I had when I had satellite, like I watched like five channels. There were five hundred of them, and I watched like five. Sure. Of them. I'd say easily eighty percent, maybe ninety percent of the time. Obviously, it doesn't behoove them to have a la carte channels. Because if it was, I would pay for my five channels, and I would still have satellite. Um. Let me ask you, if you had to pay, if you could have all everything, a Spotify of TV consistently, just everything across the board, but you had to pay satellite prices for it, which I think I'm thinking to what my, I remember talking to my dad about this because my dad recently cut, I think it was DirecTV and his bill was something like something nuts, something like in the nineties per month or something, like, maybe even more. Cause he had, I think he had some add on international channels. Mm. Let's just say a hundred bucks a month. If you had to pay a hundred bucks a month, but you had a Spotify of movies and TV, would you take that? There would be times where I absolutely wanted to. I mean, it, it, 
I'm I'm not offering the answer. You raise a very good point, and looking at it, a hundred bucks a month. I mean, subtract out what I'm paying now, um, or hell, you know, uh, take my take all my friends who some of them are using my services and I'm using some of their services and we all pool together for a hundred bucks a month and you get th- uh, three accounts. Yeah, I'd do that myself a hundred bucks a month. It, it gets hard, but you know, I, I like my television. I like my movies. I, I am the kind of guy who can spend every night of the week watching television (laughs) i'd be very tempted and and i i would think it's very fair yeah so i think that's a lot of what it comes down to you know disney's about to launch their their new streaming service it's gonna have all the marvel stuff all the star wars stuff and all the classic disney stuff you know past and present i gotta admit like i think about that i'm like yo motherfucker i can watch all the marvel movies and phineas and ferb (laughs) and fucking darkwing duck Ooh yeah like there's I, I I get it. I wasn't even a Disney kid coming up, and I and I I, I get it. It's just also uh, there is a saturation. Point. Yes, I think you're absolutely right about that. And there's a depending on how varied your interests are. I mean, if the five channels you watch are all all either have all have ESPN at the front of them. You could probably get away with one streaming service yeah. and just be fine, you know, not watching Game of Thrones or The Marvelous Miss Maisel or what have you. If your interests are varied, yeah, that's it's honestly a lot yeah. harder. Um, I, I've been happy with the sharing model, to be honest, right. you know, for what <laughs> I pay out of pocket, for what I pay out of pocket and I'm able to provide to other people and they're you know, more than happy to provide back to me. Again, um, at least one of the people who I get a streaming service from, I don't give them anything in return because they can, they, they either already pay for it or they can access it or, or they access it via Plex. Like, there's nothing I can give them. But they freely are like, here, have my access to this because I love you and, 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 and I care about you and I want you to watch Titans. <laughs> I still haven't watched Titans, but that's besides the point. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I, that has worked okay for me so far, but, you know, as things get more fragmented, um, you know, the DC Universe app is all the Warner Brothers movies. Imagine once you get to... Imagine if Paramount decided to do the yeah. same thing. Or, or Miramax, or individual movie studios. You're a film nerd. I assume you know who a lot of these studios are, but to your average person, do you, I don't think the average person knows or cares about the difference between Paramount and Sony, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. This is definitely something that's going to affect a cinephile more than somebody who is more fine being like, oh, let's channel surf, let's see what's on. Oh, this is on. Okay, let's watch this. doesn't matter that... You know, I can't watch Looney Tunes, but whatever. You're despicable. Yeah, and I mean, that's... I'll, I'll end with this anecdote. That's... 
Um, you know, I'm I, I I have access to the big three: Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. And you know, the Halloween season recently came by, and it was Halloween. I wanted to watch Hocus Pocus, and yeah. I could not, for the life of me, find Hocus Pocus. And you're telling me over Netflix. Hulu, Amazon, like all of that. I can't watch one of the most Halloween movies ever on Halloween. Screw you. I don't like that. You know why? You know why? <laughs> because right? it's Halloween and they figure this is when people will pay for it. No, because it's Disney. <sighs> and Disney's taking back all their properties for the new for the new Illuminati. Oh my god. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Yeah, why do you think all the Marvel and Star Wars movies have been slowly, as soon as the contracts are, as soon as the set contracts are up on all the other streaming services, they're not getting renewed, and then Disney is holding them to release on their streaming services. Yeah. Disney did Hocus Pocus. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and I do absolutely think that sooner or later, other studios are going to wise up and uh, you know, paywall their content. Uh, television studios like Stars are already doing that. So, it, y- yes, yes. And if DC Universe tanks, they won't. It's a good point. I don't. I don't argue it. You that know. is a good point. I'm sorry. I ruined your ending. <laughs> like you were like, I'm going to end on this, and I, and I just completely gave you a pyrrhic ending. Well, never, right there. never let it be said that I can't be confronted with a valid argument and go, yeah, you, you're right. I don't know. This, this this affects me especially because I do pay so much attention to all this stuff, and I, I, I just you know, millennials have killed so many fast food industries and 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 toast and and what have you the way things are going it's it's going to be so paywall driven it's going to be so exclusive content driven you know in in 10 years we're going to be reading reading an argument about how millennials killed tv (laughs) and i would like to avoid that and keep watching tv I don't know. Um, here's what I want to end on because I haven't. Uh, I, I wanted to bring this up and I didn't. Uh, I want everyone to be aware of something I just discovered, and this is probably my favorite new streaming service because I think this is awesome. It's called Canopy, K A N O P Y, and I haven't gotten a chance to explore exactly how much content they have, but it seems like a pretty decent amount. And Canopy is free with a library card. And that's friggin' awesome to me. I like yeah, that. Right? Yeah. No, I I know I know Overdrive and Libby exist, and those are ebooks and audiobooks uh accessible free with a library card. So the fact that there's a streaming service for it, that I mean that makes a lot of sense. Uh anyone who grew up poor, you know what it's like to get movies out from the library. Nope. So <laughs> I dig that. I'm going to check that out. Okay, ringing endorsement. I love it. We are not sponsored by Canopy yet, but we are absolutely willing to be. <laughs> Canopy, give us money. I don't know how you get it, but give it to <laughs> us. We will talk your shit off. To our nearly 200 viewers. <laughs> uh, it might be more than they have. Well, that's true. We can get none of this on the ground hey. floor. Hey, yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah. That's that's my my argument against uh, the modern day streaming service landscape. 
Alex, let's get into the question. The question. And actually, uh, Andy, you know what? This one actually is not a question. It's a follow-up from a question. Our very, very first. Yay! So, to uh, give a little bit of background, uh, this is episode 14 currently. Uh, yes, that I believe. is correct. Yes. Uh, now, way back... What, what, what episode was it? Eight? I think it was... No. Um, it was episode 10. Way back in episode 10, uh, we got a question from someone who we named Harley Quinn. I tried to play by the rules, but no, they wouldn't let me go straight. Society is to blame. Who was having a tremendous experience where she had... Uh, a boss, uh, who we termed the Joker, who was just being a clown prince of crime, just uh, making life absolutely miserable, taking credit for work they didn't do, being a general shit heel, and uh, Harley, after attempting to go to the mayor, by which we mean the president of her company, by which we mean the mayor, Mayor (laughs) Hill of Gotham City, uh, with these issues uh, and being summarily ignored, came to us. The lovely, uh, talented, horrendously unqualified hosts of Love-Hate Relationship for advice. And we advise her. You can go back and listen to that episode. Uh, in fact, we encourage you. Maybe we'll get 201 streams on that. But uh, Harley Quinn wrote in with an update. So, Andy, would you like to read this one or shall I? Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, okay. And, you know, first of all, thank you so, so much, Harley. You know, I'm, I'm very happy that you are the one who uh, is our first callback, as it were. Yeah. All right. Hey, guys. Harley here. So you want an update on my situation with the Joker and the mayor? Check this out. Since we last spoke, one of my coworkers quit. The only other accountant besides the Joker, who is the VP of finance and administration right now, She she couldn't take it anymore and put in her two weeks. She was so valued that the Joker and mayor told her to pack her stuff right away instead of work her two weeks. Then the mayor begged us not to put our resumes out on the internet. The Joker has been kissing ass hardcore, and I hate it because it's 100% fake, but they need me and my co-workers and don't want us to quit. I asked the mayor for a raise, thinking I had some leverage, plus it's been over 17 months since I had one. I was told no one would be getting pay increases anytime soon, but I should be open to taking on new tasks from my departed co-worker. How fair is that? Jerk-off motion. (laughs) I appreciate... uh, How fair is that? I feel valued. My two remaining co-workers feel valued. Working here is a joke. The Joker and Mayor both want to sweep what has happened under the rug and move on, but I don't forget and I don't definitely don't forgive. I appreciate both of your points of view and advice, but I'm at the point where my relationship with the Joker and Mayor cannot be repaired. I will be quitting, and I don't care if I have another job lined up. I'm waiting until the end of the year to see if I can find other employment by that point. It sucks that I have come to this conclusion, but there are only so many times you can beat your head against a wall before you move on. I'm not mad at my coworker at all. She did what was best for her. We were sort of having an internal race to see who could find another job the quickest. Sorry I don't have a nicer update, but I'm sure you will both enjoy this response, especially Alex. Love always, Harley Quinn. Well, well. Do you love this? <laughs> I'm curious. I kind of love this. I mean, I'm, I am 
Harley, I'm sorry to hear about all this fuckery. You know, you say you're gonna you're gonna quit by the end of the year. Uh, if I'm correct, Andy, I believe this episode will drop on January the first, New Year's Day. So happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and so hopefully, Harley, by the time you hear this, uh, a decision will be made. Uh, well, a decision's been made. You're quitting, but right. hopefully, you'll have something lined up. If you don't, you are supported. You are loved. We can't like direct you to any jobs most likely but like we believe in you we're pulling for you we hope that you know whatever safety net you have around yourself you are taking full advantage of it i'm gonna say this i'm proud of you you know even if you don't already have something lined up you know you're taking ownership of the situation you are you hit your breaking point and you're acknowledging that you know, and you're sticking to your guns, which is something that not everyone can do. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, you say yourself, you haven't had an increase in 17 months. You've been at this job clearly a while. So it's not like there'll be some giants issue because you've only been at the job for three months and suddenly you quit. No, like there is bullshittery here. Uh, and I'm sorry, like, Anytime I hear that anyone in a position of authority is like, there's no pay increases, but you're welcome to do more work. I'm like, hearty heart, fuck you. I hope you are eaten by hyenas. (laughs) Like, this is, and I'm not even speaking, you know, metaphorically in terms of referencing a comic book character. I hope the president of this company is literally eaten by hyenas. A scavenger mammal from the from sub-saharan africa i hope hyenas chew his bones what a piece of shit amen i've i've never understood that concept of somebody quits and then the supervisor says that there will not be pay increase you just lost however much that one person was making. There could at least be a percentage of whatever that person was making going back to your other employees to incentivize them to stay. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, Harley, like, I'm proud of you for asking. I, I will say, for reference, like, don't think this is weird. I know someone very close in my life um, had a boss leave a position where she was and she and and while they were hiring for her for the replacement of that boss this person in my life uh basically had to do the work of two people for several months and at the conclusion of that period of time she went to her superiors and said yo i've been doing this job for this many months uh is there any way i can get some increased compensation for it and to the credit of that company, those superiors said, huh, okay, um, I think so. Let me get back to you. And they went, and they saw what could be approved. They had to run it up some ladders. But at the end of the day, like, she did not get her boss's, her old boss's full salary for that period of time. But she got, you know, a solid bonus paid in a lump sum straight to her as a you were doing more work than your job description entailed than than was originally called of you and you did it wonderfully here's more money we value you that's the kind of shit that places should be doing 
And the fact that this bullshittery happened, I'm proud of you. I am proud of you for asking for it. I'm proud of you, as you said, Andy, for sticking to your guns when you did not receive it and were fed that, uh, don't you like working here? Wouldn't it be great if you did more work and we didn't pay you anything else? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you and die. Like, that's awful. So, Harley, I, you did good, kid. I'm glad to see you striking out on your own, getting your own solo book. These, car- these comic book puns need to, need to reach a breaking point at some point. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone will reach them, we will. Oh, God. And I hope that the Suicide Squad you eventually end up with has Will Smith and Jay Courtney and no one else who was in that fucking movie. Aw. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Um, Viola Davis. Viola Davis can hang out. Like, Amanda Waller's great. Yeah, there you Man, go. that movie had a lot of bad actors in it. Like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Harley, I'm 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 sorry that this worked out and played out the way it did. Uh, you know, I was the one who was saying kill him with kindness, and after uh, learning how the situation played out anyway, uh, fuck him. Uh, I absolutely do not think that would have been the way to go about it, or would benefit you in any way now. Um, I'm glad you're striking out on your own. I hope that, uh, you know, you take a oversized mallet to the entire office on your way out. And, uh, I don't know. Is, is taking a shit on the mayor's desk in the, in, in the cards here? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's technically illegal. So ah. make sure there are no security cameras and you don't get caught. Okay, for, and then, for, then go ahead and do not, it. Forget about it then. <laughs> uh, you little wussy. Um, but it's, you, you, you've done the right thing here. You know, if, if, if validation from us that you made the right decision helps in any way, then consider yourself absolutely validated. You did do the right thing here. This played out in a really shit way. You were dealt a bad hand and you made the best of it you could. And I... I very much think that if you don't already have another avenue of employment by the time you're listening to this, it will be coming very soon. Because clearly, you know, you seem to be a very smart, tactful individual, uh, despite what all of the idiot, idiotic co-workers around you might be doing. And Harley Quinn, I'm going to make you... Uh... I'm going to make you an offer right now that you are welcome to accept or not accept. No judgment either way. Because we love you and because we appreciate you here at Love-Hate Relationship. Uh, if you've got a new job lined up, interviews, you're interviewing, you are applying, anything. If you need a copy editor for your resume, for your cover letter, for anything at all, uh, I have a very expensive MFA in creative writing, uh, also very expensive <laughs> undergraduate english degree these skills are going to waste in this in, in in the governmental sector in which i work i'm very proud of what i do for a living but i have skills and i want to put them to use for you i will charge you nothing you send me a cover letter with a job description you send me resumes you send them you, you got you've got the contact email you send them my way i will happily look at any and all of them to you for you free of charge with whatever notes and uh, feedback I can provide. Well, there you go. What, what hell of an offer right there. 
Uh, that is to thank you, Harley, for writing into us and writing into us again. We are proud of you. You're a badass. You deserve way more than anyone is giving you. I'm not even speaking specifically with the Harley Quinn metaphors right now. You're great. Absolutely. I completely agree. All right. So uh, with that all said, Andy, do you you want to close this out? Yeah. So uh, if you have a relationship question, and when we say relationship question, we mean any kind of relationship, familial, um, you know, work-related like Harley Quinn, really anything, and you want to go ahead and send them to to us, you can do so at love hate relationship podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website at lovehaterelationship.net and ask your question there if you so choose. Uh, Or you can find us on Twitter at LHRPod. That's L-H-R-P-O-D. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hi, Mom. Uh, Andy, you took my Twitter part, so I guess I'm just going to have to switch this whole thing up and say... Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at A underscore X underscore R-U-I-Z on both. And as Alex said at the top of the episode, you can find me at Jovocop. That's J-O-V-O-C-O-P 2113 on Twitter. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, as always, please tell your enemies. hit record and give me the clap three give you the clap yeah buddy three three two one (laughs) i am very happy that was on the recording oh god (laughs) because that means i can put it at the end of the show (laughs) oh